Welcome back to Radar, the only music podcast showcasing the creative output here at ICMP. In each episode, we're joined by artists, students, and industry professionals to take an in-depth look into their musical journey, as well as the projects that they're passionate about. I'm James Arlington, I'm an artist and producer, and in this episode, I'm joined by Mario D'Angela, a London-born and raised session drummer, writer, and producer. Mario's on the music business course, and he came in to discuss his journey into session work, his placement he did at PRS, and working at Reading Festival over the summer. And I'm just going to take this time to say that if you've been enjoying the Radar podcast, be sure to rate it five stars on your podcast platform. It really does help. And if you want to suggest future guests, you can do so through our email. It's radarpodcast.icmp.ac.uk. Mario, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like this one's been a long time coming. Yeah, you've, you've been doing your podcast for a little while now. Yeah. And and you've asked me. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. Well, I'm very honoured to have you. At the time of recording this, we're kind of going through a bit of a heat wave, so it's quite hot in here. Yeah, I was sweating on the way here. Should have brought another t-shirt. <laughs> should have should have put some, some Mitchum on, you know, I don't know. Feeling the heat today. But no, I'm really excited to have you here because we're going to talk about basically how your summer's been, what you've been up to, you know, the projects you've been working on. But yeah, how are you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good, you know, I'm doing all right. Keeping, keeping fit, keeping healthy, staying strong. You Always. Know? Of course. It's what I like to hear. Me and Mario uh, obviously have known each other since the start of ICMP. Now we both uh, study music business. Yeah, oh my God, it's been a, like a year. It's been a year. That's We're now crazy. in second year. Oh my God. Can you believe That's it? That's mental. Oh my God. Let's start at the beginning. Let's go into your journey into drumming. How did it all begin for you? Because obviously we said at the start, you know, you're doing session work, you're doing production, mm. composition, and you've done some placements over the summer as well, which we'll get to later. But where did it all begin? Um, You know what? I don't really know how I kind of fell into like music as a passion. Um, I think I was, I was going through a stage in secondary school where I was kind of like, so I'm not the most academic person. Like I barely pass all my GCSEs. Thank <laughs> God. Around like year nine, I was like quite into music. I was like, I'm really into like Slipknot and like Red mm. Hot Chili Peppers and Nirvana. I'm like, oh, I'm such a, a cool kid. And um, basically, my music teacher, Mr. Jiggard, at um, secondary school, he basically let me use the drum room at break times. Nice. Um, I would like have to wait wait for him to like come out of his office marking all my like shitty coursework. And then and then he'd be like, Oh, do you wanna like practice? I'm like, Yeah man. And he's like, Okay, yeah, sure, like you have twenty minutes. So I'd go in and then I'd just put my earphones in and then I'd just like try and play the tracks. So I think the first song um I learned was Can't Stop by Red Chili Peppers. I think. Um, yeah, it was a fun one to play. My playing at the time was horrendous. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just kind of rolled from there. I used to play guitar. Um, I started with guitar. I actually started with violin, but we don't right. talk, we don't talk about violin. Um, I started with guitar, I guess. And um, from there, I went into drumming, just like going into different musical avenues and whatnot. And yeah, I just kind of fell in love with the drums, I guess. Nice. I think that violin is sort of that classic primary school compulsory instrument. Yeah, you know what? It, for me in primary school, we, it was a little bit of recorder. We had a little bit of classical guitar as well. Mm. Um, but I was I, I got given one of the recorders because they didn't have the funding for every kid to have a classical guitar. <laughs> and I draw a short straw. Um, not to say there isn't amazing recorder players out there. I'm sure there's some amazing virtuosos. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I never got a chance to have a violin lesson in primary school. We had African drumming though. I did violin, I remember, probably back in year three or year four, but before that, it was just glockenspiel or nothing. Glockenspiel? Yeah. Oh, fancy. I, oh, 
I'm not going to lie, if I, if I was a percussionist in an orchestra playing glockenspiel, I'd be having the time of my life. Happy birthday on the glockenspiel. We'd do it at the start of the Friday assembly if it was someone's birthday. No way, no, that's so sick. Did you ever have like those happy birthday hats um, in primary school? No. It was, a, it was like a cake. It was like a cake-shaped hat. To have candles on top of it and like was it like made of like foam yeah, yeah, yeah. no it, i did no, have yeah, that yeah yeah. yeah 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 and like they'd put it on the kid's head and then it was like you had to take a bag of sweets or like celebrations to share with the class even the kids you didn't like i i vaguely remember that i mean we grew up in two different places but uh, uh, the premise clearly was nationwide but obviously growing up in london for you has kind of shaped the way you picture the music industry i suppose i mean for me it's kind of like you can get a tube anywhere mm. um and there's so many gigs going on like basically every night um so when i did start performing live and stuff and going to jam nights um i think like the first jam night i went to was um at the jagger um as a few years back there's a i think it started there where some icmp students were uh hosting a jam night at the jagger right and um this is just when covid opened up a little bit um, and I wasn't I wasn't a student at this time, right? So I just kind of went with my mate who did start studying. And so this is a funny story. I, I went to this jam night and I started making some contacts and connections. And as you know, when you follow a specific like demographic of people, like a group of people, mm. and they follow, follow you back, you kind of become part of that group. Um, and everyone kind of thought I was studying at ICMP. <laughs> so uh, um, everyone was like, oh, I've never seen Mario in class before. Like, he was really good at that jam night. And like, my mate Vince just had to like keep telling people, oh, he, you know he doesn't actually study here. And they're like, what? <laughs> it was like that at my music college as well. Like, before I started, people would like ask me, you know, you study here, don't you? And I'd just be like, no, I'm just kind of about. That's crazy that we went to the, like the same college but in different areas. Though. Same college, two different cities, man. What's the what's the the happy birthday, um, sweets situation back in your Norwich college? <laughs> at my Norwich college, I think I was probably a bit too old for that at that point. You can never be too old, man. That's when <laughs> I, that's when I learned to take the Maltesers for myself. What in music college? Yeah, that's the, that's like the first thing they teach you, and then music theory. To be selfish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's an industry secret for some oh, people. Oh, no, yeah, of course. But um, no, I mean, getting into drumming then, how was that, that for you growing up in, in such an open space? Um, it really allowed me to like connect with a lot of people. Um, I think there's definitely a different wavelength that you reach with people when you're like jamming with them or writing with them. And I'm like so fortunate that I like quite a lot of genres of music and I mm. play quite a lot of styles. So I'd like work with people on like their their songs or whatever, figuring out drum parts for them. A lot of it nowadays is like, oh, they'll send me a voice memo. I'll send them a voice memo back of like me playing some weird paradiddle stuff on the drums. Nice. Um, and then just to give them some ideas, uh, because I guess a lot nowadays is MIDI drums. Yeah, um, true. I also like program drums for people because like I know the feel of drums and such. Um, and I know what makes it well I guess I hope I know what makes a good groove it's, it's, it's done it's one well for me so far I think so you've been doing it for long enough yeah it's been a bit fun but yeah I, I just I'm quite fortunate to play loads of different genres of music because you meet so many different types of people and when it comes to like doing those jam nights that you mentioned and stuff like that how did, how did you get into that and what advice would you give to the people who maybe haven't done anything like that and they kind of want to get into it yeah so definitely find a mate that would go with you uh, so even at networking events, and we we even went to one um, not too long ago. If you go with someone, you have a lot less anxiety about it. 
be a lot less nervous. You can have a couple of drinks with your mate, start talking to some random people, start playing mm. music with some random people, and it'll be a great laugh. Yeah, and I think that the networking events, especially for like the more business heads and people who want to be actively involved in the industry, are just an easy way of practicing those connections as well. No, yeah, definitely, because, you know, I think networking is such a big part of this industry. And especially early on, it would be great to get a grasp of how to do it appropriately. Um, so I always make a joke when I like make connections with people that I meet um, in real life, just saying, oh, let me get your Instagram. That's how people network nowadays, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's the first thing you ask I for. mean, I'm not going to ask for their LinkedIn, like in person. That's, that's a bit, <laughs> Can I have your full name, that's a bit, please? I think, I think they, I just buy them dinner first for that, you know? <laughs> it's a bit too, you know... I don't know. Some people on LinkedIn are pretty, pretty forward. Mm, Some people true. make those connections instantly. Mm, and it's like, you have no clue who they are. <laughs> yeah. It could be from anywhere in the world. But it's quite nice. Um, I've been getting into LinkedIn recently. I've um, seen. Yeah, I've been like pimping it out a little bit, like decorating <laughs> it with some nice pictures and such. Um, it's just nice to share your experience and like the stuff you're doing in the industry. And then you get random people. A lot of some, some people from ICMP have just like commented on my stuff saying, Oh, it's great to see your progression. Like, I hope it goes well and such. And it's like, Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And I think the ICMP is a really good, like, sort of foundation for that because obviously you can help build your network, but also it's a group of people that are just generally quite supportive. No, yeah. I think for ICMP, it's like, it's kind of your first step. You know, you're, you're stepping into a situation where there's so many different types of people, like performers, songwriters, like managers, people mm. getting into management. Um, and you just meet so many different types of people. And I guess it's a great start because it's such an informal space. Yeah, and there's sort of, there's so much room to make mistakes and to sort of develop yourself before you then go out into the industry. No, yeah, definitely. Like, for me, I'd like go to the fool's pool table in um, the second floor and like I try and like ask some random people I don't know um, to play and then if I win then I, I go oh that was so fun what's your name by the way what do you do what do you study <laughs> yeah it's little things like that I think are really important and, and sort of speaking of the industry work that you've done you've recently come off a placement at PRS yes PRS for music the uh, legendary uh, sort of performance right network how has that been it, I'm not gonna lie it was such a lovely space to be in I was so surprised that I managed to get that opportunity because I've just finished doing a module, writing up an essay, you know this. Of course. Of, of how the royalties um, get distributed and collected in the UK. Um, so I, I was going into it saying to all of the staff members, I kind of have an idea, kind of did an essay on this. <laughs> and they were like, oh my God, no way. So you know about, and then they start talking about like really deep to topics about PRS. And I go, I go like, oh, I did not know about that. Mm. Wow, that is quite interesting, to be fair. Well, a lot of people these days, even if they don't sort of have a business mindset, like, they kind of don't know about PRS. No, and, like, I think for me, knowledge is, like, one of the strongest things you can have in this industry. Like, understanding different, like, companies that do different things. So I went into PRS, um, and I basically just said to them what I knew. And they they allowed me an opportunity to, like, expand my knowledge so much and deepen my understanding um, and it's actually kind of piqued an interest for, like, music publishing now. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of the work you did kind of day-to-day, -day, what did that consist of? So I was working um, within many different departments. Um, my main department was within relationship management. Okay. Um, so that would be working with different music publishers and stuff um, and, like, 
form formulating documents for them, spreadsheets, you know. Obviously, just the stuff you're going to have to do. Um, but then I also did some work with press, where I did some headline writing and some press release writing, which is quite fun. Um, I worked in communications. I, I did all sorts. Worked in licensing for a bit as well. That that was information heavy, to be fair. Obviously, I've I've seen the the sort of ins and outs of what you've been doing on on LinkedIn and stuff like that. But how have you sort of found that overall sort of community? What what was that been like to be there for for a few weeks? Well, it was it was quite relaxed and laid back because the thing about PRS is that they're a non for profit organization, so there's not a lot of ego there. You know, everyone okay. was quite chill. They're all quite nice. Um, they had a, 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 the amazing the amazing coffee machine that I like <laughs> rinsed every single day. You've got to rinse the They've coffee got machine. The best oat milk mocha. Oh my goodness! The real question is, would you go back there purely just for a good coffee? Oh, I mean, I can, I can like. You wiggle. are a barista. I, I, I know. Yeah. But to be fair, f- f- switching from barista work to PRS work with free coffee, <laughs> I wasn't complaining. No, yeah, it was it was genuinely a nice environment and like. It seemed like such a nice workplace as well. Yeah, I think it's nice in any sort of workplace like that where everyone is sort of in it just to, you know, support the general function of that thing. Mm, no, like yeah, definitely. When no one's got their sort of own motives and, and it's sort of a shared passion, mm. I think that can be really important. Something that I'm like fighting at the moment is striking a balance between working within the music business and working as a session musician. Mm. Um, and that's what I was asking around at, um, at PRS because... There are people that work there who have their own music projects. Yeah. And um, they actually have a hybrid working, like, routine where you do, like, three days in the office and the rest you do at home, um, which is quite flexible if you need to go to do gigs and stuff. Um, And I was asking around, saying, like, you know, do you reckon I could do session work and work in music business at the same time? And then they said, well, it's definitely going to be a challenge. Yeah. Um, A lot of people, they'd look for, like, zero-hour contract work. Um, just to maintain um, their freelance careers. But it's definitely possible. I think for a lot of sort of multidisciplinary creatives, there is that sense of just constantly trying to find a balance. And I know, especially for like the sort of film stuff that I do, as well as the music stuff, it's it's a never-ending battle of just trying to find the time to do both at the same time. I think for us, as um, especially going into second year, um, we're figuring a lot of this stuff out where we have our own projects that we're working on um, but we also want to try and test out different avenues. So, like, going into ICMP, like, one of the reasons why I chose ICMP is because, you know, I wanted to have a three-year plan of pushing my career as far as I could. Mm. Um, I took two years off of education because of COVID, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like, I tried a mechanics apprenticeship. Like, I had an interview for it, and then wow. I realized, yeah. I didn't you, know You that. didn't know that about me. <laughs> uh, Exclusive. <laughs> and then I, I did it, and then they offered the apprenticeship straight away. And I walked out of the interview room, and I was just kind of like, I know nothing about cars. Mm. And I kind of, like, don't have a driver's license, and, like, I'm not really, I'm really passionate about it. Um, and when I realized that I really want to pursue this passion of mine called music, I was like, well, let me study the, the business of it. You know, let me understand the industry a little bit more. And see what's out there for me. See what doors are open, what doors could open in the future. Um, that's one of the main reasons uh, I went into it because my first year of uni uh, here at ICMP really like opened my eyes about all the back behind the scenes yeah. jobs and stuff like music publishing. I don't even think I knew about that, you know. Yeah, and it's all perspective, isn't it? It's all sort of shaping your your prior knowledge to it. Mm. 
And I think um, it's also teaching me through these three years balance work work life balance mm. um i had a, mo- a moment before i started icmp where i kind of had a bit of a burnout i was working my uh i was working full time as a barista at the time doing morning shifts um and i'd wake up at 5:30 open the shop at 6:30 finish my shift around 2 and then go to rehearsal or then a gig or like a session and then come back late at night because these like London transport is like so far out, mm. and then go back to beds and wake up again. And I was just like, this is a bit too much. And I think that people outside uh, music and the creative industries might not necessarily realize that that it is like for a lot of people in the industry, it's it's one of the many things that they do. I mean, it's like like um, all the people listening to this is going to understand this as creatives. This industry is so difficult to get into. It's yeah. so difficult to make a viable career. Um, so there's a lot of graft and work that's going to have to go into it. And that's going to take a lot of strong mental and physical health on your part. Uh, because I, I, I couldn't hack it when I burned out. Mm. Like, I, I had I got glandular fever after that all happened. Wow. Yeah. Did you remember the start of um, the semester A? You were ill, man. I was bad. You were ill. I lost a, quite a lot of weight as well. Yeah. Um, I wasn't looking after myself. I was doing way too much. Um, and I think semester B, thank God, thank God, like, I managed to do my assignments for semester A. Jesus Christ. But, like, for semester B, like, I kind of realized I need to chill a little bit. I've got time to figure everything out. Um, me being at ICMP is a chance for me to experiment and meet people and try out different things. And I think for me, as someone who's trying to figure out what he wants to do in the music business, I think it's okay if you don't know what you want to do, but you have to try different things. You've got to sort of not put all your eggs in one basket. And I've I've sort of said that on a couple of podcasts before, but how did you then deal with that burnout and how did you push forward? You know what? I I started a lot of um, well-being and like, mindfulness um i started journaling a lot i would like go okay well why i'd write down in my book why do i feel like i need to work so hard is it because i want to make it in this industry yes is it because this is a difficult industry to get into yes should that come at a cost of my health no Mm. should that come out of the cost of my mental health as well no definitely not like that's i need that yeah, and I think that sort of no matter where you are in the industry, whether it's sort of at the top or sort of climbing the ladder, I think that everyone sort of has those moments where they're maybe doubting themselves or maybe they're thinking this, this isn't the right thing for me anymore. Like how how do you think that trying different things can help like sort of solidify a certain mindset? Well, when you understand that um, what your passion is, and for me that is music, you will be willing to try different things. Some things you might not be too willing to do. So, like, for example, I worked Reading Festival this year, which is quite fun, back in um, August. And I was a sanitization manager. Wow. Now, what do you think a sanitization manager does? Uh, I I would presume uh, they sort of oversee the bogs. Oh, so many bogs. (laughs) You got got the portaloos, you have the, the long drops, Mwah. The long drops. Could you tell our audience at home what the long drops are? So I want you to close your eyes. Okay. So imagine you're at Reading Festival and you see loads of toilets where they have a metal staircase leading to these stools, right? Mm-hmm. You open the stools and then inside is just a toilet seat where when you flush, the waste just drops down <laughs> to like the tunnel of like 
doom. <laughs> Man. A funny story is when I was working as a sanitization manager, this is the nice, the nice stuff about the live industry that you really want to know. Um, I didn't have to clean the toilets, but I was like, I was like doing my management work. And then a girl came up to me and she said, hi, um, is there any chance I can get my phone back? And then I was like, oh, well, yeah, of course. Where did you leave your phone? And she said, I dropped it in the long drop. I was like, <laughs> no, no chance. Your phone is gone. Go go to the e-store right now, the free store. Get yourself a new phone. You, you have, yeah, you're, it is gone. That was gone forever. She asked for a litter picker. Man, oh, I feel I, so I bad. I could have had that, man. That's really bad. I mean, regardless of sort of the jobs that, that people are doing at Reading Festival, I think it's a huge opportunity for anyone. No, you know what? It really, like, opened my eyes because it was my first festival ever. Even just in attendance? Yeah. Wow. Like, I've never been to one, and I've never camped before either. I've never camped at a yeah, festival, it, even now. It's, it's kind of fun. I can't lie. Yeah. It is, it is pretty fun. Uh, it's a bit cold in the mornings, and it gets a bit humid, but it is quite fun. Um, but yeah, I got to see like the stages get built up by the crew team. Yeah, I mean, because you got there a couple of days before everything mm. kicked off, didn't you? No, yeah, and then I got to go when things were popping off. Um, I got to go backstage um, to like the production area, and then I got to see like Billie Eilish's like catering team. And no stuff. way! How, I was actually, how, how get catering team? How, how would a catering team? I mean, like she had her own. Yeah. Wow. Bro, it's Billie Eilish. <laughs> well, yeah, true. Fair Bro, enough. I w- she's the same age as me. I wish I had a catering team. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice. Bro, and then um, they also had the Killers, Imagine Dragons. They had Steve Lacey, Loyal Carter. Oh my God, Loyal Carter was amazing. Always incredible. Bro. Oh. I think that the thing with Reading and I think the thing with any festivals is that people just don't realise how much work goes into making sure that they run smoothly. I'm not going to lie. There's so much that goes into it, but like... They're quite smart because a lot of the people doing the work are volunteers. Mm. Um, they just need to do some shifts and they get to see some live music. Yeah. Like, that's pretty cool. And I think in terms of like the festivals that I've been to before, like I've never been to Reading and Leeds, but especially the ones sort of closer to where I'm from, I think that the ship has to run no matter what. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like for me, um, like my first um, perspective on festivals were the smaller festivals I played at as a session drummer. Um, so I played for an artist called Sophie Griffiths and we'd done a few uh, festivals with her in the past. Um, had a great time working with her. Um, we'd done The Great Escape, The Alternative Great Escape. Mm. Um, we've done something called um, Close Up Festival as well. Um, I was at Hoxton at Colours. Nice. It's actually um, where my band One Day played uh, back in March. Which oh, oh yes, I was there. Yeah. I was in attendance. How did you find our, my showmanship? I think that you, for, for people who don't know, One Day is built up of you, Vince, and Tay Grace Bay. Yeah, it started off as like a like lockdown project. And then we did a few gigs. Um, we're kind of a bit too busy to do it anymore, but it's been fun for the time we've had. I like your I like your stage presence. I think that it's it's refreshing to have the drummer have that level of control over the audience. I, I can't remember why I had that role. Like I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, I kind of wish Vince got given that role because I waffle so much on stage. I don't think you do. I think that you played it off really well. Thank you, thank you. But um, yeah, so like people don't realize like how much goes into it, but like. No matter if it's a small show, a big show, there, there's always someone who's going to have a particular role. No, yeah, definitely. It's like, there's definitely important people doing important things. And you might not not necessarily know that in attendance, like just casually going to a festival. But there's so many people overseeing so many different things. Like, for example, people making sure that um, acts arrive on time. 
Mm. You know, like that's artistly Asian. And like, on the flip side, like in terms of like being a performer, how have you found like getting into session work? Um, you know what? You kind of start by working for one person and then they will recommend you to someone else who will then recommend you to someone else. Mm. And there's also a different avenue of how you can get work where you make content on Instagram. Um, I've been quite bad at putting uh, like videos of me drumming on Instagram. I just kind of post funny stuff on my story. Um, but <laughs> nothing wrong you know, with that. Like, there's definitely different ways to do it. Even if like it's a it's a small or or a big artist, like no matter who it is, just like using that to practice, like just interacting with other musicians as well can be really important, whether it's on stage or in the studio. I think definitely as a session musician, um, you learn a lot of communication skills working with different clients. So you learn how to set your own rate and communicate like your price. You learn how to schedule yourself, like what day are we going to have rehearsals? Or what days are you free? Oh, well, I'm free at this time. It's like, okay, well, I have work at this time. It's like, okay, so we'll do it in the evening. Like, stuff like that. Yeah. The, the proper nitty-gritty. And I think that even being in a band, like, growing up, I sort of learned, like, especially if you live in different places, just how difficult it can be even to set up rehearsal dates. No, it's, it is quite crazy. Like, thankfully, ICMP have free rehearsal studios for um, students. So we can just book up rooms here. And, like, because they're free it becomes a regular spot because we're students. We don't want to pay for pirate studios every time. And yeah, we, we do not like the equipment in pirate studios. <laughs> pirate, the, the I feel as though... drums are horrendous. Universally, pirate studios has sort of never been the one. Bro, I went I went to pirate studios, um, I think it was near du- uh, Dalston. Or Dalston, <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce I've it. I've heard of this one. And um, I went with my cymbal bag. And the guy was like, I need to see what's in that bag. I was like, bro, are you redonkulous? <laughs> And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, have a look. Um, what, do you, what do you think this is? And he was like, oh, they're symbols. I'm like, yes. I, well, so there was actually someone at Pirate. Yeah, like, so they have um, security guards to make sure you don't bring in... Have you never Bro, seen the one in Norwich, before? there's no one. That's rough. There is no one. <laughs> to be fair, like, my, my closest one to Summer Sisters is quite like that as well. I mean, I don't know if there is now. Obviously, I haven't been for for a while. But like at the time, like you would just code in the door, go in, and that was it. There was yeah. no one in there. I mean, to be fair, like the Seven Sisters one is quite small, so I guess they don't really need security. The other one that I just mentioned was a little bit bigger. I think the equipment was a little bit nicer in Dalston. Yeah, yeah. I mean, any rehearsal space. I think it. The main thing is just finding that sense of interaction between you and your bandmates. No, yeah. It's it's just like finding a suitable space that's gonna obviously setting up needs to be quick it needs to be efficient because it's your time you Mm. know it's like everyone's time is very valuable especially if you're paying for the session yeah definitely and like especially in band situations i try like split that across like all of the band members um will probably put in a fiver for two rehearsals two hours or whatever Mm -hmm. um i guess if it's an artist they would pay for it but no yeah it's important you set up quickly um, you do the rehearsal and afterwards you have time to go for a pint and have a pizza or whatever you want to do. Yeah, and I think especially in London, like it's obviously it's a lot more accessible in terms of transport and stuff, but drummers have it hard, man, with all of their equipment. So, bro, I, I have to get... So I'm North London, right? I'm like Enfield, so North, North London. Yeah. I have to get a bus to get to my overground to, to get me to my... to um, Seven Sisters where I switch to underground. To get to this is my ICMP journey now, right? I don't know for Seven Sisters. I need to go to Highbury to switch to another overground to get to Bronsbury. 
Man, if you see Mario on the overground ever, please... Don't wake g- me up. <laughs> don't wake him up. And if he is awake, give him a hand with his equipment. Oh, I beg, please. Because <sighs> I've seen you with your gear before. You have a lot. I'm a short guy. <laughs> I, my, my symbols are like half my height, not even, like a bit Man. taller. Seeing you sat in that library just surrounded by drum gear is a sight to behold. God, mate, Ugh, it's a mess. It really is. But in terms of going into second year, sort of what have you got planned for the next few months? You know what? I'm trying to find... So this is this is part of my three-year plan that I was talking about before. Um, first year was me th- figuring things out. Second year is time for me to like start being a little bit more active in the industry. So I quit my hospitality job, which is like a big move. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And um, I'm looking for a part-time music industry role just because with the time I have in university... I want to be gaining some experience. Mm, For sure. And I think it's a big thing for any creative when you can sort of get out of that cycle of something that isn't necessarily what you want to be involved in. Yeah, because for me, my barista job was just to support my freelance career, you know? Of course. And you also need to make a good coffee as a musician. Oh my God. The amount of caffeine that I've been going through... (laughs) Like, is so bad. But recently, I've been cutting it out. I was going to say, so have I. At the sort of start of August and, and sort of the few weeks after that, I was on a bit of a detox. Oh, mate, I've been a health queen this August. Oh, my goodness. You've had the skipping rope out. You've been in the gym. Oh, mate, my... Oh. My protein intake is like mental. Just pure chicken 24-7, chicken Bro, and it's, rice. it's the canned tuna. Really? Like, yeah, the canned tuna. You get If you get the Just Essentials from Asda, it's like... What, 36p a can? Wow. Bro. I'm not a tuna fan, man. You're not? I can't eat tuna. You don't like your, you don't like your tunes? Well, tunes are a different matter, but tuna <laughs> is, is is one of the ones that, unless it's sort of sushi, I'm not a huge fan of. You, you've only like fish if it's sushi? Well, I like fish. Okay, it's, yeah. it's just what, something what about fish? tuna. We're going we're gonna to change the topic. What fish do you like? Uh, salmon, haddock, nice. cod, prawns, nice. crab. Nice. They're sort of the main ones. So you just don't like tuna? I, it's, it, I think it's a texture thing. Bro, what did tuna do to you? I, I don't know, man. Maybe it's some unresolved childhood trauma you need relating to, go back to tuna. Into your mind, do some cognitive behavioral therapy. I do. Some some CBT would be would be ideal here. Mm-hmm. But no, I I think that staying healthy and staying active active whilst trying to build yourself up in other aspects can be really important. I mean, that's that's kind of like my motivation after my burnout you know because mm. it's like i need to be staying healthy because i'm doing so much and i also need to be doing a little bit less yeah and i think it's it's okay to know when to stop and yeah it's okay to say no to things as well no that's that's something i've been learning at the moment as well it's kind of like valuing yourself as a person you know mm. and like being a little bit selfish in a sense where you know don't put get let yourself get pushed around necessarily and like do things if they're okay with you, not because you're forcing yourself because you want to make it in this industry. I think when I first moved to London, I was quite frightened of saying no to things because I thought this might be sort of my make or break opportunity. Mm. But I think it's sort of what I've learned over the past year or so is it's so important to just take the time to address, you know, is this going to be right for me? Have I got the capacity to do this right now? Yeah, and it's also like, if it's not right for you, there will be someone that's right for. Like, there's there's not going to be anyone else that can't do it. And there'll know? be another opportunity for you. There's like so many different people at ICMP with different experiences, like different talents. Like, there's going to be a right person for everything. Of course. And in terms of your three year plan after after this year, you know what 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 is the third year for you? You know what? I think my my aim is that I'm going to try and get a summer internship between second year and third year. 
Great idea. And then third year is going to be heavy on the essays. <laughs> Bro, my, oh my God. We love an essay here on the music business school. Oh, we, well, me personally. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say I'm not too fond of them. I think in terms of sort of the, the topic of the essay itself, it can vary, but... You need to choose something that's going to interest you if you have the choice of question. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we did in first year in terms of the music business history module. And so I, I, that was one of my favorite essays I've which, written. Which question did you choose again? So, I mean, obviously people on music business will... will will know and, and, and maybe even love these topics, but I chose the genres of music between the 1960s and the 2010s. Oh, yeah, you did. I, so I, I chose um, music influenced by black culture because yeah. I grew up like with soul music and like reggae and stuff and funk. And that's like, for me, as like a primarily jazz funk drummer, that's like my bread and butter. Yeah, for sure. And I think that everyone who sort of worked on that essay, I think no matter what they chose, I think they did enjoy it. Because mm -hmm. no, it yeah. was just, no matter where you were or, or no matter what question you chose, you know, it was that sense of perspective and learning the past. And it was also the freedom of choice. And we had an amazing tutor for that. Can we just well. shout out to the wonderful Ian Ramage? The wonderful Ian Ramage, who will be on the next episode of the Radar Podcast <laughs> coming next week. Do you know what I wish? I wish, I'd love to get Ian Ramage on. I think he's got so many many stories to tell but you know all of our tutors are great and I think that having that choice I think it's it's always really enjoyable no yeah definitely it's so nice to have like different tutors who are actively working in the industry so like for example like Jamie Jamie, Jamie Johnston. Johnston like bro he's he is like goaded another shout out to Jamie Johnston he's, he got me this this um reading opportunity of course. And I think that in terms of, you know, the Balam, the Bambi, we've got digital marketing now as well. Mm -hmm. Like there is so much available for us to sort of pick and choose or th throughout the year. Mm -hmm. no, yeah. I, it's really valuable. And I think that especially if you're now starting at ICMP and if you're a fresher, don't take it for granted. I think like utilize your tutor's knowledge as much as you can. Like ask as many questions as you can. Like if they're in the middle of getting a cup of coffee... Like, maybe just walk with them down the corridor and just ask a quick question. Don't bother them too much because obviously they're on a tight schedule. They've got things to do. Right, they, they've got coffees to get. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. And I think that we've got a lifetime to figure things out. But if you can start here and if it's a good place to start for you, then run with it. Go Definitely. for it. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good place to end on, Mario. Mm -hmm. I think so. This has been lovely. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you so much for coming. And um, where can people find you on social media? Where can they listen to your work? I am um, Mario... Full stop, D'Angela, full stop, drums on Instagram. Um, might be the same on TikTok. Don't really use TikTok. I don't really post on TikTok. So not I'm for everyone. Don't follow me on TikTok. There's <laughs> nothing there. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. And uh, you've you've also done some composition work? Yeah, well, it's 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 uh, just fun stuff. I'm like very influenced by like video games and stuff. Um, and that's on my SoundCloud. That's all in my link tree on my bio on Instagram. Incredible. Your media trains, Mario. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Have an amazing day, everyone. All the best. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Radar. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate it five stars through your podcast platform. Remember, you can catch us on social media through all of the ICMP channels. And if you want to get involved in future episodes or suggest guests, you can email us radarpodcast at icmp.ac.uk. 